Hi, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Everything is Canon, a Cinelinks podcast, a podcast where we invite marginalized authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. I'm your host, Steve Dunk, and thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at cinelinks.com, or you can always find me on Twitter, of course, at stevedunk5 or at everythingcanon. And so, without further ado, let's get the show on the road and meet today's guest. Hi everyone, welcome to the show uh, and a new season of Everything is Canon. As always the case around here, we will continue to encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves each time we either engage in a conversation online or face-to-face or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices. My current rage is COVID ableism. I'm tired of hearing this. You've probably heard it as well. Omicron only has minor symptoms. Don't worry about it. Or I don't know anyone that's died from it. So what's the big deal? You know what? Stop it. I'm glad you're a super tough guy. Um, but understand, even though we are all going through the same pandemic, we are not having all the same experience. So please, for the love of fucking God, let's employ some empathy now and again. Rant over. Okay, a lover of romance of all stripes. Anita Kelly is originally from a small town in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. Uh, They now live in the Pacific Northwest with their family, including a three-legged dog that I have to know more about. Um, (laughs) A teen librarian by day, they write contemporary romance that celebrates queer love and all of its infinite possibilities. Whenever not reading or writing, they're drinking too much tea, taking pictures and dreaming of their next walk in the woods. They hope you get to pet a dog today or any animal actually. Um, well, maybe not a snake or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, some a creature that enjoys it. They are here today. <laughs> apologies to the snake crowd. They are here today to talk about their new book, Love and Other Disasters, which is described as a first openly non-binary contestant on America's favorite cooking show. Falls for their clumsy. You fall once and you're clumsy. Am I right? Uh, in this delicious romantic comedy debut, please welcome to the show, Anita Kelly. Hi, Anita. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So. Yeah, you posted something on Twitter today. So you're you're in Portland now. From you went from yeah. East Coast to West Coast. Yes, it's been ten years, so it's it's definitely home now. It sounds like, but uh, yeah, still getting used to a couple of things. One of them was you went to get a coffee, and the person in front of you had a conversation with the barista, or the just the clerk or the cashier. I don't know who, but um, yeah. and it how, okay. So you're in line. Have you ordered your coffee? So is this one of those places where you order it, then you shuffle down and pick it up at the end or? Yeah. And so I haven't even ordered it yet. And oh, so, okay. and there, yeah. So there's a few people waiting in line to order and, and like the person at the register and the, yeah. So I guess the cashier, they're just like chatting about what they're going to do today and like, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I'm like, what the hell? Just move along. <laughs> And it was funny because one of the first experiences when um, my partner and I did move here like 13 or 14 years ago, and we actually moved here from Boston. Mm. And so we're used to like, yeah, like East Coast city, like efficiency. Yeah. And yeah, like one of the first days we go into a coffee shop and yeah, like people are just like chatting and taking their time and like no one's getting upset like no one's cursing you're looking around (laughs) you're like am i the only one (laughs) yeah and we're like yeah maybe we have somewhere to be like what the hell and so but anyway and then eventually so today when it eventually was my turn yeah like the 
the person at the cash register were just like, hey, how's your day going? And she's like, so friendly. And I'm like, I just want my fucking coffee. Um, I, don't need to, I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, but that's so. Uh... But so sometimes, yeah, my like East Coastness still comes out. Yeah. Even on the West Coast. Um, it's a, <laughs> Where it's people a... are not stressed, apparently. Apparently anything, life's pretty but... good out there in Portland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been Portland and Oregon and, and the Northwest and, and I'm originally from British Columbia. Um, but um, I've yeah, traveled, no, it's, tra- it's lovely. I it's love it's amazing. Uh, the Northwest, yeah. like if I yeah. could move somewhere, it would be there. It's beautiful and wonderful there. And like it, there is sort of a natural high idea sort of going, not, not of course, exclusively, uh, but um, it's definitely if you're going to compare it to the East Coast. But uh, yeah, it's a funny thing because um it's a situation where it's a good thing that two people are just cat- connecting in this world and having a nice chat. I know. <laughs> and it's like, you don't want to disrupt that necessarily, but, but listen, there are fucking rules to certain things, exactly. right? There's public space etiquette. Like I have God, my list of pet pieces long, but um, you know, make sure you put the cart back at the grocery store. Don't, um, don't park your cart down the middle of the aisle. Don't, don't decide what you're going to order once you get to the front of the line. Um, Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Just basic rules of life type of shit. And yeah. And people need to be conscious of, I'm, I'm always, I've always been very conscious of other people's time. I just always start with, I'm holding somebody up and that makes me do my stuff more efficiently. Yeah. Are you like that too? Or is that, or is sort of Portland yes. sort of weeded that out of you a little bit? <laughs> no, I agree. Like, yeah. Like maybe someone behind me has somewhere to go, but, but it was funny. Like, yeah, I, I'm totally with you. But like, as I was getting grumpy about it, I was laughing at myself, especially right. yeah. in, especially in these COVID times where we're also isolated. I'm like, look at me getting cranky about like two people having like a human connection. A beautiful thing happening in front of me and I'm pissed off about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare you have a sense of community? It's, enough. it's, it's true though, right? But yeah, yeah, like that's, I mean, it would have to be now, you didn't say anything. I probably, I wouldn't say anything either. It would have to be, it would have to be pretty obscene for me to say something like long, like long, 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 long for me to say something. And, and oftentimes somebody else probably would say something before I would like, it it would be that long before I got the nerve to say something. Right. But, Oh yeah. I would never say anything. Yeah. um, I would just seethe inwardly, but there's like a, there is a time limit. I mean, and, but I mean, I would hope that the cashier, the barista would sort of like keep things moving as well, but um, yeah, yeah, no, that's a, it's it's a funny story. It happens all the time, but it's just, it's such a, it's like a first world problem kind of, I guess, like, you know, I'm in a huge hurry, but I'm at this coffee shop. <laughs> that I made the, <laughs> I made I the decision time, to right. go into. <laughs> I took time out of my day to, uh, yeah, to do this, but God damn it. It better be empty. There better be nobody there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's funny humans, but it's, it's true though, because, you know, a lot of these different types of things, whether it's etiquette or these, you know, basic rules or whatever things that we've forgotten, I think exist or, uh, you know, or maybe never existed in the first place, depends on the person, I suppose. But as we, you know, hopefully at some point start to reemerge in a more complete way, right? Because I mean, we've had instances of reemergences the last two years, right? Like, um, and there's some things are open now and whatever, but there's still, Mm -hmm. there's still, we're still in the midst of this thing. So it'll be interesting to see if we ever do get out of it. And when we do, how people are going to treat each other, is it going to be differently? Because there are some things going on right now too, that are different. Whereas like, 
and this will depend entirely depend on which side of the conversation you're on, I suppose. I got the sense you and I are aligned, but um, we've learned that there are some fucking crazy people out there and mm -hmm. people we know and friends yeah. and family and like the veil's been lifted now on some people, right? Like yeah. um, I was watching this comedian the other day and, and he's like talking about it. He's like, yeah, I, I, I have always had quirky friends, but they, they, they used to say like funny, entertaining things like Sasquatch is real. And now they're like, Tom Hanks eats babies. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, so it's yeah. Like, these people have revealed themselves now. And where do we go from here now? So that, and that's, and that's an extreme example, obviously, but you can apply this now to just anything. It's like, do we appreciate the thing? Will we appreciate things more like going to get a coffee and, and enjoying two strangers having a conversation, even though it's holding me up, um, yeah. you know, a few extra minutes or whatever. So I don't know. What do you think? Like, what were you like before the pandemic? And do you think has it changed you and things like that? Um, that's a good question. I don't know how exactly it's changed me. Um, but I have been thinking kind of constantly, I work in schools. Mm. Um, you're a librarian. And right? so, yeah, yeah. So I'm a school librarian. Um, I currently wear a few different hats. I cover a few different schools. And so I serve kids from grades five through 12. Mm. Um, so like middle schoolers and high schoolers and, um, and so, since coming back full time, like so, my schools were. Are you, you in know, school right now, or are you guys shut? Yeah, or shut down. Okay. So we are currently in schools, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, struggling kind of to, yeah, have enough staff to cover the schools right. with the current um, surge of Omicron. But uh, yeah, so we were like you know completely uh, remote for a long time. Then we kind of came back like in hybrid last year and now we're full time. And so, yeah, just kind of seeing, especially this year with coming back full time, seeing the difference in kids. Um, it's kind of all I can think about. And I, and I feel like maybe people that don't work with kids don't understand like how much of a crisis they're in right now, especially teens. Like I kind of feel like the younger kids were able to get through this, you know, a slightly like not unscathed, but less unscathed than like the older kids who really need this social development time and just didn't have it. And so I've discovered that the teenagers, especially at the high school, have really mirrored what adults have gone through where, you know, they had a year and a half of just being in their own separate, like online corners. Mm. And so I feel like a lot of teens have been kind of like, radicalized in their own ways because um, they just had all this time to just like yeah be stuck on like really horrible reddit threads mm -hmm. and like not and like not talk to other human beings mm -hmm. and um so i don't know it's really interesting and like yeah and just basic social skills like most of the teachers i've talked to that have said that they've used these first few months, just kind of rebuilding, like, let's look at each other when we talk to each other mm, and, yeah, yeah. you know, just kind yeah. of like, yeah. and like, how do we have a conversation with each other? And, um, and yeah, there's just, right. there's lots of behavior issues. And um, yes, I've just spent a lot of time kind of thinking about like, what is this going to, or how is this going to affect the future generation in ways that we don't even really no. Well, I um, think, I think, yeah, you're, I mean, you, you made a couple not of to get, not to get super dark. No, no. Well, it's true what I think about well, all it, the time. It, right. If this was, listen, if it, 
had gone according to my prediction back in March 2020, where this will be over by April. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it, two, three months, even four months, even half a year, sure. But when you, it's been years now. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's got to have an effect on people. Like you said, what, and it, that could be a whole host of things, right? And that could be um, forgetting how to socially interact or becoming radicalized one way or the other, or uh, just becoming bitter. I mean, Listen, yeah. it's it seems trite, but I mean, missing out on like a high school graduation is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like things little like things like that. Like those are these are important life moments. Graduating high school, that's a life moment that you talk about. Some people will ride that out for fucking 40 years mm-hmm. if they had a great if they were the king and queen or if they maybe right. lost their virginity or just had a really good time or i mean like how many books have been yeah. written about that and movies been made about that night like that's an important yeah. thing in the social fabric of, of western culture for sure anyways um yeah. so it's like you can only take that hit so many times and uh mm-hmm. you know it's yeah you're right it's going to be interesting to see what how these young people are developed and, and how they come out on the other side and whether that's yeah. good or pad- bad or productive or conservative or liberal or q yeah. QAnon or right you know, yeah like, yeah like there's so many kids that are yeah like full-time q and it's just really it all and they, and they haven't had any like good adult mentors right. to be like here's how to actually find different sources of information um well so that's it's... that's just i mean this pan- what this pandemic has really shone a light on a lot of things that were already troublesome like we have this yeah. weird holistic approach don't we to how we make decisions um you know all we need is one or two bits of information and then we just blanket decide that's what that's what it is you yeah. know like oh uh I I don't know. It'd be like me saying, "Oh, Anita has a three-legged dog." Oh, so then all dogs must be three-legged. Yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean? That's a that's a nice example. There are horrible ones, but you know the pandemic is proving to that just that's amplified, right? Like, oh, the vaccine gives you this. Oh, then all vaccines give you that. So now I, yeah. we should be. Why are you getting a vaccine? Whatever side you fall on, I don't not. I'm, I'm very pro-vaccine, but um uh, well i'm I'm just pro facts uh, <laughs> but uh, right. yeah yeah one of the funny I, I tell this story a lot but one of the funniest things i ever saw this was back during the vaccines cause autism days if you remember those wonderful days oh, um, yeah. um and i remember seeing a doctor on tv and they were asking him they're like do vaccines actually cause this doctor was brought on to sort of like bring some levity to the situation right and they're like do vaccines cause autism he's like i don't know probably maybe like one out of one out of a billion, maybe, maybe that person was going to get autism either way. I don't know. Yeah. But do we scrap a program that saves millions and millions of people because 0.00001% of the population gets autism from it? Right. Like he's like, come on, what are we talking about here? (laughs) Right. So, but, but for a while we had everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people thinking that if you got a vaccine, you got autism. Like there was, that was it. That was it. Right. And we just believe. Yeah. It. So it's just a weird, weird way we not only absorb information, but then just holistically apply it across a wide spectrum of, of a population. Like it's, it's, it's insane to yeah. me. And this uh, pandemic has done exactly that. But, um, well, that's all the time we have today. <laughs> Fuck me. I'm, I'm going to kill myself. Um, anyway, let's talk about better things than that. But it, listen, it's so funny too how, uh, before the pandemic, it was all like nurses and teachers are our greatest resource. They're underpaid. Let's take care of them. Now it's like, get back to work. You fucks. Like, 
You know yeah. what I mean? Right. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And I don't, I don't, it, it, like we've had, I'm sure it's in the States too. We had like people protesting nurses outside of hospitals, yelling at them on their way to work. Yeah. Like it's, we had, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a nurse right now, but, yeah, mm. but we had some anti-vax protesters at my high school last year Yeah, because our student council had, um, you know, like organized a vaccine clinic. How dare they? Um, And yeah. And so I showed up to school that day. Yeah. And there's like this group of full grown adults with like, you know, bullhorns and signs and, and they're like yelling at kids as they're walking to school and like trying to pull off their masks and like, unbelievable. Yeah. And so, so this was something that was organized by students for the community. And so I was just picturing like, if I was trying to imagine being a teenager and seeing like, adults yelling at you about this thing you tried to do that you were trying to do for good and just oh I can't even imagine anyway and, yeah and it's like as as you know sort of virulent and angry and pissed off as I get I still still try like I try and have a little bit of apathy like in the sense that I try to remind people on our side like remember they feel just as strongly on their positions as we do about ours yeah and you know you have to take you have to you have to try and hold on to that now that only goes so far with me like if you're gonna fucking attack kids and and spit on people like you're then forget it you've lost any i could give a shit about you but you know these people that are sincere in their beliefs that their rights are being taken away you know when it comes to mandates or that maybe they truly believe that if you get a vaccine you will die or you know whatever like Mm -hmm. it's it's you know i try and have some apathy for them if if they come at it fair then I'll, yeah. I'll treat them fairly, but no, for the, for the other people, they can get, go fuck themselves. But um, it was kind of funny though, that day, cause I, I was reminded about why I do like working with teens because I was like all up in my feelings about it and really upset as I was walking into school past these protesters. And then a bunch of teens came into the library and they were like laughing about it. They're like, right. did you see, they're like, did you see those assholes out there? And so like, they're, and so they're like, you know, just like laughing, laughing it off. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I can calm down a little bit, well, but it was right. So it's just, yeah. And then you're like, teens, whatever, teens however great. many songs have been re- with this title, the kids are all right. Kids, yeah, exactly. The kids, the kids will be all right. Yeah, yeah. So there's hopefully more of us than them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although it doesn't feel like that sometimes, but it's still true, I think. But um Anyways, so that's that's the news of the day. Let's move on to some happier things. Like, yes, tell me anyway. about tell me about your three legged dog. <laughs> um, What's his name or her name? Uh, yeah, so her name is uh, Furiosa. Um, nice. I love how like Mad that's Max. yes. No, we. I love how <laughs> there is no other fear. I don't even know the, the history or origin of that word or name, but now that's it. Like she owns that. That's it. Whenever yeah. you say Furiosa. You know, unless someone just hasn't seen the movie or read in the books or comics, yeah. they get it. They get it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it is pretty funny because um, she is like the meekest dog, <laughs> like in the, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so actually, um, I also have like a five-year-old kiddo, and so, so we've ended up just calling her Fufu most yep. of the time, yep. as as like a nickname because she's much more of a Fufu than she is a Furiosa. Well, that's a, that's a truism in life, though, right? <laughs> Whatever you name your dog, you never call them that. Yeah, right? but it was kind of was kind of funny because we've always had a history of picking the most like fucked up dog in the shelter, yeah, like the one that's on its last legs. And yep. so after going through several of those pets, we're like, we're gonna get 
you know, like a healthy young dog. Um, we're going to do it, you know, regular this time. And so we went, so we saw her on the shelter website and thought she looked really cute. And then we walked in to meet her and the like humane society person was like, and as you can see, she's missing a foot, which we hadn't seen. Like we hadn't noticed that she was missing a foot. Right. Um, and, and it didn't say anything about that on the website. And we're like, of course we missed the one that's, or we, we chose the one that's actually missing a foot. But yeah. anyway, so she, she couldn't really use that leg that was missing a foot. So we ended up amputating um, the leg and then she got around much better but uh but yeah, it was just kind of funny like we tried to get a normal dog and we just couldn't do it can't do it yeah um <laughs> like i was saying offline yeah in my former life i was an investigator for the humane society and uh it was always a good day when when someone came in and adopted one of the either older animals or an animal that had a, an issue one way or the other whether it was temperamental or mental or physical like yeah. yeah it's it's always a good day because they just don't get out very much and uh you know, when you find someone that's willing to spend, especially in the, the case of the older animals, because you're only going to get one or two years out of them, right? And yeah. uh, there's something to be said about people that are willing to give that animal a, a fantastic year or two, knowing that their heart will be broken. And these people are, are habitual about it too. They'll do it every time. So their heart's getting broken every two, three <laughs> years, right? Because I know what I'm like. Yeah. I mean, I'm a disaster when I've had a dog pass. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, listen, all adoptees are wonderful, but there's a, <laughs> there's a special place in my heart for people that do that for sure. And foster, foster families as well. Yeah. Yes. So, well, yes. Furiosa sounds pretty awesome. Fufu. Um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, we were just talking about that the other day, my friend and I about, uh, we were talking about sort of like, we're both cinephiles and we used to have like a movie a website movie review website and podcast years ago and a lot of movies and uh we were sort of talking about like our great theater experiences and fury road was one of them um mm. i think we went in not knowing a ton about it which always helps and uh i remember we were watching it and and we're old enough to like you know we i saw road warrior in the movie theater my parents somehow snuck me in to see that movie and and <laughs> like i remember seeing thunder you know beyond thunderdome and theater and all that stuff I'm that old but uh you know i remember one point like i kind of just like i think it was during the end of the storm sequence and just leaning over to him i'm like this is fucking amazing like it was just one of those movie experiences mm -hmm. where you're just like blown away it was so good but yeah that was one of them so i even have like i've got a couple of books i've got the comic books for it and there's yeah. most of the comic books I really go into Furiosa's backstory and whoo <laughs> yeah my 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 wife is super into movies as well um and she yeah so we saw Fury Road in the theaters when it came out but she went to this like special local theater to see the like the chrome edition or something yeah they there did was... a black and they did a black and white version yeah 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 and so she said that that was like incredible too I, I saw that, but not in the theater, unfortunately, just at home. But uh, it's, yeah, they did it in black and white, which is really cool. And yeah, it was yeah. just as good. Because I mean, it, of course, just shows you how good that film is. Just like every aspect of it was just was just firing on all pistons. Bad pun because yeah. the movie's got lots of cars in it. But, uh, <laughs> um, yes. but yeah, no, yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, all right, Furiosa. So, uh I read three adult queer books in a row. Yours was one of them. It just worked out that way. I don't know why, just the way it works out sometimes. I read a lot of books. <laughs> so, um, and what was nice about it, and it dawned, I probably didn't dawn on me until the second or third one, 
because I read mostly YA. So mm-hmm. it was really nice to just get into stories where the characters are already have already gone through that period of of orientation and identification, right? They've gone through that period in their life where they've struggled to to figure out what they were, who they were, who they liked, who they loved. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So they've already arrived. So the three books I read, the characters had already arrived at that point. They've gone through the fucking horribleness of high school when you're trying yes. to figure yourself out, um, you know, at any point, but especially when you are somebody who's starting to, you know, understand that you're not presenting the way that how you feel inside so it's we've gone through all that so your characters in your book are this is an adult book so they've got they've gone through that um now there's a caveat there's a catch to this of course because um (laughs) they're both choosing to now expose this to millions of people as opposed to the people uh just in their bubble or their family or their life so it, it it amps things up and we'll talk about that in a second but Talk about just writing that type of story. Was that were you conscious of that, and was that why you chose adult, and and or is that like what was what was the deal there? Uh, yeah, um, it's a good question about why I chose to write adult, um, especially since I work with teens and I also read a ton of YA. Um, let, let me let me actually rephrase that because I mean I'm wondering maybe this is why, and you could please definitely correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but. I guess maybe it might depend what came first, because if you got the food, the show idea first, then they would have to be adults, right? So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I did have the show idea first, um, and I read a ton of adult romance, and so okay. um, that was like what I was feeling comfortable writing, um, and so because that's what I read the most of these days, and right. so, but yeah, I think I did have the idea for the show first um and i actually i kind of thought of dahlia's storyline first and then um london came along but it is kind of special yeah like getting to write a character like london and dahlia but that doesn't have to be a coming out story that can just be like yeah like they know who they are from the beginning and they have other things in their lives you know other than just their coming out journey and so at the same time that I do think, um, you know, coming out journeys are still really important to talk about in YA and and adult. Cause a lot of, I'm actually, my next book is more about uh, a character who is dealing with, you know, coming out later in life and having, you know, rejection from parental figures later in life, which I think can, you know, fuck you up just as much as when it happens when you're, when you're a teen. Well, Um, it's it's right. And it's also, it's, it's can fuck you up just as much and more, but it's also there's a bit of like shock value because at that point you're supposed to be coming out to people who should understand the world better. Right. It's it's one thing from other kids, right? Right. But yeah. you know, so and also too, uh, in a sense, you do some of that in this book because London in particular, yes, is, is coming out again. <laughs> in, yeah. a much, in a much bigger way but i don't want to get too far ahead here because some people listening who haven't read the book might know what the fuck we're talking about so oh um, yeah that's true yeah yeah um, <laughs> maybe then, introduce the book more yeah yeah and, yeah. I, and I don't normally like to ask this question but it's um uh maybe just maybe we will do it this one time but tell me what the book is about 
Uh, yeah, so it is a queer romance set on a reality cooking show, um, a la Master Chef. Um, and the two main characters are Dahlia and London, who have both uh, were both contestants on the show, and they've both come to the show for many or very different reasons. Um, but uh, they end up, uh, yeah, you know, falling in love on the show, but even though only one can win and they know that you know either of them can get kicked off at any moment that's kind of the um tension there geez no drama there no potential for drama there eh um <laughs> yeah. so uh the reasons they are there are different i think i think we can talk about them but i'll let you decide if you want to talk about them but because i think yeah it's, i think it's plot i don't think it's a spoiler but uh if you're okay talking about it i think we should i think it's fine yeah 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 okay. so so Dahlia is uh, recently divorced, um, is struggling uh, personally, you know, emotionally and also financially um, kind of trying to. So she got married young and divorced young. So she's still in her early 20s. And now is kind of like, you know, who the fuck am I? Like, what am I doing with my life? And um, there's actually just a hundred thousand dollars. I forgot how much yeah. my own my own prize was. But yeah, before, before taxes. Yeah. Yeah, before taxes, the prize for winning Chef Special, the show, is $100,000. And cooking has kind of been her way of refinding herself after her divorce is the one thing that brings her comfort. And so she decides to try out and she's like, if I get all this money, I can pay off my student loans and, you know, like restart my life. So that's her. Uh, so her stakes are kind of higher in that way and London has gotten on to the show just basically on a dare from their twin sister uh they've always been really good at cooking and um uh so their sister you know they get drunk one night and they see an audition for the show and they're and Julie's like you should do it and so London does it and gets on and so they're already London is already kind of um privileged uh you know they come from money they already have a stable job that they like um and so they figure if i win this competition i'll use the money to start uh, a nonprofit for lgbtq kids uh so i can actually do some good in the world after growing up privileged um so those are both of their motivations for why they want to win the show yeah so basically one needs it like capital n and yeah. one, one, it would be nice to have. Yes. And you can understand where that would be. There would be some tension there that's going to create issues um, in a competition setting, right? Um, yeah. Like it's life or death for one person and the other person could take or leave it. So it's like, why are you standing in my way when you don't need this? So you can understand why that would come about, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's such a great... Uh, I, yeah, let's let's dive into that a little bit because the, the the cooking show premise, any competition premise, is such a great manufacturer of <laughs> you know like tension, of course, right? Like it's yeah. you've got you've got all these great sort of tropey things like forced proximity, um, you know, it, it's just wonderful that way. But um, you know, I was talking to another earlier today, and she has a book coming out later this year that has some has a food sort of aspect to it, and we were talking about sort of like how food does so many things objectively and like ubiqu- ubiquitously well, right? Like food, yes. food is so good at so many things. Of course, it's a great mechanism for storytelling. It can be artistic. It can have flair, both creativity. It's heavy on process, which I want to talk about in a second, but it has healing powers. 
it, it can be, it's food is great. It can be experienced just as well alone as it can communally. It's mm-hmm. a cure for loneliness, for broken hearts, it's for people in love, right? It's all these things, but then it's also none of those things. It can be simple and just a bowl of cereal and can bring a big smile to your face. It's yeah. so, food is such a great thing to have, to be, make part of a story because it's part of our lives. We, we base our days around food, what we're eating, when we're eating. We remember weddings by what the food was. We like Valentine's day is like, where are we going for dinner? Uh, <laughs> yeah. like it's, food is fucking so ingrained. It's, it's so celebrated in beautiful different ways around the world, right? Culturally and with, yeah. with fam. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing just on its own. Right. And yeah. And, and I think food, food is often um, in romance novels, even if it's not like a foodie, you know, uh, central plot. Um, yeah. I think food often comes up in romance novels. And I think, cause it is uh, it's universal, yeah. but it's also very personal. Yes. And um well, that's can, kind of, yeah, one of the yeah. things I want to mention there was, so there's a line early in the book and um, it's it's talking about Dahlia and you mentioned how, you know, cooking sort of came into her life. There's a line that you said, quote, that made her feel creative and powerful, two adjectives she had forgotten to associate with herself. So like, that's just really fucking beautiful on its own. Like, that's an amazing line, uh, Anita. And it's really easy to lose yourself sometimes in life, isn't it? Whether it's because of marriage or kids or under tragic circumstances right like uh, yeah you can just whatever your intended path was can just get lost for a lot of different reasons we'll stick with marriage um for now just because that's sort of dahlia's thing um you know her you don't spend a lot of time on dahlia's divorce like you mentioned it you don't shy away yeah. from it it's obviously a big part of each but if that's not also it's not the plot of the book so you don't spend a ton yeah. of time on it but it's really important um, especially a certain aspect of it, because as we know, women, she chose to get divorced and that's, yeah. a, that's a really important thing because women couldn't possibly choose to do that. Right. They, how could they <laughs> like, right. who, 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 who are women, who do women think they are? They can't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. And so like, and I always think about that and it's such a, obviously a gross misogynist point of view, uh, you know, to think that women can't do that. Like, and what do people think about when two women are married to each other? Like they just have to stay together forever because a woman isn't capable of pulling the plug on a relationship. Like it's right. such a fucking weird thing. And I just, yeah. really, and I really, really appreciated how you wrote that part of Delia's story, how sensitive you wrote it. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I never got the sense that, she was looked down upon for making that decision. Like she, you know, it was a strong assertive choice she made and it was the right decision, a difficult one for sure, but, yeah. it, was, but it was the right one. Now I know there's a storyline with her mother, which I won't get into too much, but that actually had a crossed, that actually ends up being a crossed wires thing, isn't it? So, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it's more about like Dahlia being a strong assertive person, even though she doesn't necessarily see herself as that way. Talk about right. that, that decision and just this, this idea that like, yeah, like even today, it's like women are looked down, like we, it's almost like we don't think they have it in them to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so I wanted to, um, yeah, play with that idea of, um, yeah, a woman who, you know, doesn't want a big family um, and kind of wants to be able to, t- to change her mind. Um, I think especially, you know, like people who, you know, marry young 
you know, before they've even really like figured out what they want in life. Um, I basically, I basically don't always view divorce as a bad thing, right. you know? And right. I think, um, and, and yeah, like hers was, you know, hard and messy because she did choose it. It wasn't necessarily a mutual decision. It was her saying, I don't think I want this anymore. Um, but I wanted that to be a positive thing to actually take agency over your life and be like, I think I am different now and I want different things. Um, and I kind of wanted, yeah, to play with that, as, you know, especially in like heteronormative romance novels, you know, the point is to get married and have lots of kids um, a lot of times as, as you're happily ever after. And so I wanted Dahlia's happy ever after to be different than that and to show that it's okay to change your mind and want something different. Right. And the nice thing is, and you know, uh, it's not immediately clear that she made the right decision, meaning like her life doesn't get instantly better. If right. anything, if anything, it gets worse. No. <laughs> so, right. So yes. um, it's like, she, she, you know, listen, this is a romance book. I, if people read fucking books at all, they understand how this goes. Um, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a certain, there's a certain predictability to it for sure. So um, I don't think, yes. I, I, I don't need to tell you that we're not going to get the details, but I think people understand sort of where this is headed, but, um, but she, she earns it. They both, they both earn it, but she earns it. I think a little more from yeah. that, from that sense. Right. Because, and I'm not saying a, a strong family unit or, or having money is the be all end all. It's of course great. And it's of course important, but it can go both ways. Can it? Yeah. But, but Dahlia has really had to sort of do things on her own. And yeah. Um, yeah. like she, she's got, her- she's got some family, but they're not necessarily in the area. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. she, I don't know. I just, I really, I really, I loved both leads, but I think I was a, like, just Dahlia to me was just, um, they're both, both extremely courageous, but I think just in different ways. And I mm-hmm. think, and I think, you know, Dahlia's story to me just was a little bit more heartbreaking. Yeah. Her, her trajectory is. Yeah. That's a good way. Bigger. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's a good way. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I said, you know, I, I kind of, I thought of her character first um, and, and it's been it actually, uh, I'm really appreciative of you saying that. I'm glad that you enjoyed her storyline because it was funny in publishing this book, I was super nervous about London, you know, that I wouldn't, that I would get criticism about London's non-binary identity that, you know, I, I don't know that I wouldn't have done it right or um, that people wouldn't like it or, you know, whatever. And I was so concerned about that. And since it's come out, like everyone universally loves London, but people have issues with, with, with Dahlia, which I wasn't like prepared for. I was like, okay. Everyone's really? totally cool with everyone's totally cool with London. I mean, you know, it's not everybody, but give I, me a couple like, of examples of issues they have with Dahlia. I'm curious. Um, like people have called her whiny, <laughs> or that she like. I don't know people just have like people just have issues with with Dahlia more than I expected. Okay. I, I think a lot of people All do right. love her, and, yeah. and I think some of that is. It's tough. I I've kind of thought about it, and I think in general, female characters are kind of ripped apart more than others. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. For sure. Often, often by other females, but um, so there's lots of issues going on there. I guess, yeah. I but guess, yeah. um, but yeah, I really liked uh, 
the Dahlia just kind of getting to be messy and not, yeah, and like, and like not, she knew that she wanted something different, that she wanted to be divorced, but she didn't know exactly what she wanted to be after that. And so, yeah, I liked, I liked getting to write a character that, yeah. I don't know. It, figuring uh, yeah, out. yeah. Well, that's it. And it, it's such an interesting sort of dynamic and, and like London is for sure, maybe more assertive, but Dahlia, I don't, I have a lot of fucking, I don't know. Dahlia's like, puts your head, puts her head down and just does what she has to do. Like there's, it's not easy for an adult to have to like, I'll just say at one point, she has to sort of move back in with her parents because like, listen, she needs mm-hmm. this money. Like we've said it earlier. She needs this fucking yeah. money. Right. Um, yeah. Like, talk about swallowing your pride and, and like have, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, she's, I got no, I don't know. I guess I just don't agree with other people's point of view on that, but. uh, (laughs) um, And I will say I, you know, people obviously have the right to, yeah to feel however they feel about my characters. (laughs) Listen, that's. It's it's my fault for seeing some of those reviews. (laughs) Well, I guess it's, it's, you know, you have to be diplomatic. I understand that, but I mean, I'm allowed allowed to say those people can go fuck themselves, but uh, (laughs) I, well, I listen. You can you could not like a character or or dislike one more than the other or whatever. Of course, of course. But like yeah. I, you know, the some of the criticism some, some, sometimes with some characters. I think you're right. It's rooted in something else. But uh, yeah. Um, but I just think uh, and in London too, it's very assertive. But yeah, so London has this whole thing where part of being on this show is sort of coming out again, again. Um, yeah. And um, on the granddaddy of stages on national TV, <laughs> yeah. um, which is not great, but uh, like it's not great just from the sense that uh, it's an all or nothing proposition at that point, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, there's no going back from it, right? You can't hide. There's no hiding anymore. There's no, there's almost even no changing your mind at that point. Once it's out there like that, isn't it? That's it's that big of a show. Like that's you established yeah. that earlier. This cooking show is like the biggest, I know it's sort of, I know they said ratings have been down for a few years or whatever, right. Or something, but it's sort of like, uh, uh, it's still the biggest show or whatever. It's a big show. And um, so they get to go on there and do that. And one of the things I love about books is when they, something it could be whatever, anything that involves, I'm a big fan of, process so when you break down a process for me and explain to me that like that the bare essentials of it do you tell me how you break it down how you put it back together i just love that i'm a huge fan of process in general so i love when a book takes a subject matter and does the same thing so you do that with cooking in this book um like you don't simply tell me they made ribs or strawberry lemonade afternoon cake right like you tell me how they made it you tell me about the ingredients in it and then you, you know and stuff like that so i was very attracted to that part of the book um, was that talk to me about your experience with cooking and stuff? Was that did you have to look anything up, or are you <laughs> were you pretty good? I, uh, oh no, I, I I did so much googling you, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when writing this book. Yeah, no, I I do like to cook, um, but I would not consider myself a good cook. Um, like I cook pretty basic stuff. Like I I would never never make it onto Chef Special. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of different research. And then actually at the end, uh, I have two family friends that are actual foodies, like they work for, you know, America's Test Kitchen. And so um, I had them do what I called like a foodie fact check. I was like, can you read this and just tell me what food stuff is like totally wrong? Um, And so that was actually, they were actually really helpful. There was only one part, I can't remember what um, I was writing about, 
but they were very kindly like, I don't think that is a thing. Like, I don't think whatever, <laughs> whatever I, recipe you're describing like exists. Like, I don't think that's, that's a thing. Um, but they also gave me like suggestions of like, you know, you could show, you know, that Dolly really knows what she's doing by, you know, doing this first in the recipe or mm, whatever. Right, so right. that was, that was helpful. I love that you have food sensitivity readers. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> like food. Yeah, exactly. You have cooking sensitivity readers. That's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, because I mean, like, let's just say somebody who is really in on it, uh, in on the know, like, you know, a professional or whatever reads it. And like they could it could distract them if it's like so ab- abhorrently wrong. Right. Or like, yeah, like you said, it could be a distraction to some people. I, or I mean, so it's it's almost like. Um, if you're not going to like run it by somebody, then you almost like it to be better for just a layman like me to read it and not know the difference yeah. between this or that or whatever. Right. But um, like, like say putting paprika in your oatmeal smoothie right. or whatever, <laughs> but no one will know what I'm talking about. But uh, I, put yeah, paprika, I, def- I put paprika into my smoothie this morning, everybody. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, um, but so yeah, that's really cool. You had those people to run that by and uh, yeah, because it's such def- a, it's such a huge part of this book. Yeah. And I definitely worry that, um, well, I guess not worry. I don't actually care that much, but I do think that actual foodies that read this book will know that I'm not an actual foodie because I do think, I I mean, it is a competition for amateur chefs. So, but, but I do think, you know, most of the things they make are like relatively basic because I am not fancy enough to, to know anything more than that. For Um, sure. For sure. But at the same time, I I had a, yeah, but at the same time, you know, they are given a challenge and you have to, so, so you sort of dive into that, right? And then, like yeah. I said, there is, sure, they're amateurs, but they take it very seriously. And uh, and you sort of, you definitely, uh, you know, lean into this idea that um, the show takes it seriously as well, I, thought, yeah. I think. Um, like the judge, because it's like any, like the shows that are on TV today, the judges are, you know, they're celebrity chefs, but they're still chefs, right? Like they've got, they've got their own, they have their own credibility to worry about. So, um, you know, there is this idea that you still have to cook well. And even, you know, doll, like you said, sort of like simplifying things a bit, Dahlia has this sort of this family soup or something recipe that Mm -hmm. tastes delicious, but it's just too basic for the judges, right? Like it's just this idea that it has to be somewhat uh, intricate and complicated or, you know, and, uh, so you lean into that. And like I said, in a, in a book that's about that, it's, it's important to get, I think, some of the facts mm-hmm. right. And, I, and it, yeah. seemed, it seemed like you did to me anyways. And I did do, like, I tried to do some research about what, you know, what it actually is like uh, being a, a contestant on these shows. Um, right, right. And I had, I had like another friend who knew somebody that actually works on reality TV shows in LA and talked to them a little bit. But um, yeah, but actually one of the things I did find at least in the accounts that I read was that yeah like a lot of stuff you know on the back end of these shows is kind of you know forced or manipulated but that the chef judges on these shows often do really take it seriously right um and they actually do really care about yeah the quality of the food and stuff and so yeah I wanted that to be representative in the book as well um yeah there is a there is yeah you you do another thing that I thought was done really well is you really sort of break down the fourth wall, right? With that, you, we get a peek behind the curtain of how these shows are, how they're made and decisions are made. And and it's, you know, if you were cynical going into this book, you would remain so 
um, as far as, you know, the, uh, the coercion and, and sort of decision aspect of it, right? Like how decisions are made ahead of time, right? Before thing, before, before a single burner is even turned on, right? Sometimes yeah. decisions are made. And, and this of course leads to this idea that, you know, why are certain contestants on the show to begin with and how the show is going to take advantage of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, anytime you have, anytime you have courageous people putting them out there, putting themselves out there like this, bigotry is not too far behind. Um, mm-hmm. And so you get, there are instances of it, you know, on the show, but uh, at home as well. And I won't yeah. say too much about that, but how far did you want to go with that? Because part of the question is also, you know, are you, are you a firm believer in happy endings or, you know, like uh, what's, what was your approach to how much to put in of that stuff? Cause you don't want to give it too much attention, right? You don't yeah. want, so talk to me about that. Yeah. I, I, I struggled with that a lot and hopefully, um, you know, it, it's been working for, um, readers who are, you know, trans and non-binary, because I didn't want to, um, have this be a traumatic book. Like I didn't want London storyline to focus on, um, trauma solely. Um, and that is something I hear a lot from LGBTQ readers about how they want books where there's just queer people being happy. You know, they want books where there isn't any, uh, drama or trauma because we've had enough stories like that and so I was cognizant of that but I did also want to include some of London struggle because I to me that's just realistic like it it wouldn't be a realistic storyline if they were just like happy Dory never had any pushback about being non-binary in front of millions of people um and and I wanted to show you know, not London's story of, you know, standing up for themselves and starting to really come into their own. And um, so, yes, I, I, like, I struggled a little bit with, um, you know, like how, how much to include of, um, you know, like London's father not being accepting or how much to include of Lizzie, another contestant, you know, being a bitch. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I wanted to include some of that to, um, to show, you know, the, the realistic struggle that I think anybody in, in this situation would probably go through, um, while still having it focus on joy and focus on, you know, like London being happy and finding love. And so, yes, yeah, so I, as a romance writer, I am a huge believer in happy, happy, <laughs> happily ever afters. Um, so I always, you know, knew that, that, that would be the ending, but, uh, yeah, so I hope that I put in enough to, uh, you know, sh- for London to show their agency, but that it wouldn't just be, yeah, like capitalizing on the trauma. Yeah, and that's so I, it is it's tough. And that's you know a good another good sort of uh, advantage of a writing adult, I suppose, where yeah, like someone like London, they've you know, they're confident in, yeah. in, in, so yes, there's some issues that they've got to deal with, but, um, it's not like, uh, it's good. Their mind is going to be changed. Right. It's not yeah. like, right. There isn't, there is, there's no way to derail this or, or, or make them regret anything like that as, as far as that goes. But 
but there is still like, yeah, it's still, there are still some difficult conversations that need to be had with certain people. And, um, but at the end of the day, you know, that London is going to be London. Yeah. Yeah. So, London never, yeah. yeah. London never doubts who they are throughout the book. Right. Like that, that's not London's story. Right. Um, but, but yeah, but they just have to deal with the bullshit that comes with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> with knowing who you are. Well, that's right. And, and in, in London's case, it's sometimes the, the calls the call can come from within your own house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's black Christmas all over again. Um, <laughs> speaking of where to put the dial and we'll get you out of here on this one. Um, I can't remember exactly what I said on Twitter, about something about the steaminess in this book is pretty fucking steamy. Um, um, it's pretty steamy. Um, yes. Again, sort of the same question as far as like how, far did you want to go with it um you know sort of what's the intended audience with with that because um it's always yeah. tricky i think it's tricky when you you know like how far you go with it because um there are there's like like that hardcore romance crowd you know who wants that for sure right but yeah then there's also maybe the, the casual cooking crowd <laughs> who's, maybe, right. who's maybe not looking for that um yeah I, like like I'm personally fine with it. I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a sap when it comes to, to romance. So I'm like, you know, the more the better. And and mm-hmm. you know, if you want to, it would be dishonest in a way to. It'd be like a movie that cuts away or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. I guess I guess let our imaginations run wild. I suppose. But um, once in a while, it's nice to sort of really feel to get your own to get your hair stand up or get your own heart heart rate going. Right. Yeah. Well, that's definitely been the funniest part of this journey um, is the steam level um, because, well, because like I said, I read a, a ton of adult romance. Um, I didn't used to. I only discovered romance like a few years ago, right. but since then it's like taken over my life. And so, and so I love reading steamy romance. And so um, that's what I like to write as well. And so in my head, I was just writing this for like romance readers. Right. And, and now it's published and like lots of different people are reading it and like my family wants to read it. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> like, like, what, like, what did I do? Yeah, and, yeah. and like, well, and like I've said earlier, like I work with, I work with children. And so, um, and so I, this, you know, I write under a pen name. I do not want my students to find me. Um, but like some coworkers, you know, do you know that I've been writing books or whatever and they want to know more information and I'm like maybe not maybe you don't want to know more information um but and I've also had lots of people well not lots but I've had a few people ask me like oh is this a YA book or would this be good for my kid and I'm like no it's it's not a YA book um so I've had to establish that but but actually no it, it was important um for me to write and what they call open door um romance uh mm-hmm. where you do where there are explicit sex scenes um because i wanted to show that you could well i mean like i said i just like writing that in general but yeah. also to show that you can write you know steamy sex scenes with a non-binary person um right. without right. without giving like explicit descriptions of um of body parts or things like that yeah um but yeah, I wanted to um, show, you know, like honest, queer, uh, messy sex scenes that could be, you know, just as explicit as a straight romance. Um, and so, I mean, writing those were tricky. Um, I did the best I could with them. I don't know if I did a perfect job, but uh, 
yeah, I wanted to have an open door book with a non-binary character. Well, you make us the reader and you make the characters earn it. Those moments, I think. Um, Yeah. And it's not like it's not the first, not in the first chapter, (laughs) right? Like there isn't, it's not an explosion of, of sex. It's not porn. This isn't porn. Um, You make us earn it. You make them earn it. And like, it's with several fun sort of tropey, romantic bits right mm-hmm. um what my favorite is is the hair bit right like <laughs> London's yeah. just is in love with Billy's hair and and uh, you make us fall in love with her hair the way you describe it right the language you use mm-hmm. and you know you make us you know the you know the one beach scene and then there's all like all these different moments all these little wonderful little moments that make up all these romantic sort of things these little steps that lead to that, to the open door, like you said. So you make us earn it. And by the time we do get to those moments, you want, you want it so badly for them that, yeah. I mean, you could have been as explicit as you wanted to probably at that point, And it wouldn't have mattered. Well, it wouldn't matter to me certainly, but you know, I don't think it would have mattered to anybody. Right. Because yeah. at, by that point, we know these characters well enough that you know that they've earned it, they deserve it. And you want that for them just as much as they want it for each other. So um, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 I guess it's, it's up to, uh, it's subjective, I suppose, but I, I it's, I, it's, it's very know. subjective. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's subjective even within the romance reading community. Right. Like there are some romance readers that want all the steam and then there's some that, that don't, you know, they just want a sweet romance. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with either one um and and i've read lots of romances that are technically closed door like they don't you know show the details of the actual act but are still like very sexy Uh, um and so i think you can do it in lots of different ways but for me i I wanted to show the intimacy of those moments because like you said they they worked so hard to get there (laughs) yeah well that's it well that's a that's really it like because we're all adults here right like when 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 at that point, it's two people that care about each other a great deal and we care about them. And it, it's yeah. it, like, it's not, uh, a, I don't know, whatever. It's like that with horrors the same way, right? There are people that want stuff to happen off camera and there's people that are fine with gore and torture porn yeah. and stuff like that, right? So yep. it's, it's you know, it's similar in that sense. But but either in either way, you know, if you, if you make us earn it, then it, it ultimately shouldn't matter, the steaminess level. But... Yeah. Um, usually, because at that point, no matter what what words are on the page, we should just be happy for them. Um, yeah. And I, w- and I was very, very happy for them, and uh, and I'm very happy with with uh, with how this book ends up. So, um, Anita, what are we? January 18th, I think this book comes out. Um, yes. Anita Kelly writes.com. You're on social media, um, so if you have any launch events or anything like that i'm sure you'll update both of those places yes yes yeah and i am doing a launch event on the 18th um with rosie dannon um author of the roommate and meryl wilsner author of something to talk about um who were actually both my mentors on this book oh cool. um, they worked with me on this book so yeah so on the 18th we're doing a virtual launch um but yeah i'm on twitter at daffodilly which is a really dumb name that i've had for like years and years that i was going to change when i started writing books but Anita Kelly was already taken. Anita Kelly writes with too many characters. 
so anyway i ended up just staying with daffodilly um but i'm also on instagram at anita kelly writes as well perfect um i did sort of peek there earlier and you do you are uh, photography is also a thing for you a passion for you and um a lot of lovely yes. pictures on to be found there so definitely go there um oh, thank you. anita thanks so much thank you this was so fun uh have a great i guess is this your debut I mean, you've got, there's stuff out there, but I mean, is this your traditional yeah. publishing debut or? Yes, this is my yeah. traditional publishing debut. I also have a couple novellas that I just kind of put out right. there for fun. Um, but yeah, wow. it's my official debut. Well, then have a great, great launch. Uh, most don't get Thank any you. sleep the night before, but please try. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope you I just, I just hope I just hope I don't have COVID for it. That's my number one. <laughs> my number one. Put yourself in the bubble. Lock, lock yourself yeah. in the bubble then. All right. Yeah. Okay, Anita, enjoy the rest of your All day. right. There you have it. Another episode of Everything is Canon all wrapped up. Huge thanks to Anita for stopping by and talking with me. Love and Other Disasters is out now, so head on over to anitakellywrites.com to order a copy or to find out more information. You can, of course, pick up a copy anywhere books are sold safely. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen and head on over to cinelinks.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please continue to be safe out there. Bye for now. And, 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 and there's no objection.